0: Good morning church. I feel a little nervous. (laughs) Do you feel a little anxious? You got people on either side of you and in front of you and behind you and it's been a while since like we've been in a crowd so man it feels good. I mean there's a part of me I'm like this feels good to all be together so thank God it's been like almost three years since this room has been this full with people together worshiping God and it's a good thing and we might have to just, uh, it might take a little while to grow really uh, comfortable with that again, but so glad you're here, church, and many of you uh, are maybe here for the first time or the first time in a while joining us because some of the special celebration that we're having here this morning, I mean, on Sundays, uh, we always celebrate every Sunday because God is worthy of celebrating, and so uh, every Sunday is a celebration, but this, this Sunday we have called... Um, Celebration Sunday, because there's a few extra things that we are celebrating this morning, including our kids that are graduating, and um, I don't know, for ushers, maybe you just want to shut those doors. You're stuck. (laughs) And would you lock them, too, there (laughs) on the outside? No, I just heard some screaming kids, and we love our screaming kids, but we love them out there, right? Uh, uh. But anyway, I do want to welcome you here, and again, I know many of you are family and friends that are visiting today because someone special in your life is being baptized today. And this is why I'm dressed this way. It's not just casual Sunday, although I could get used to this, but these are my baptism clothes. And so forgive me if you have to stare at these pasty white legs um, this morning, but we we are excited today to celebrate a handful of people that are taking this step uh, of obedience to Jesus, to be baptized, to declare their faith publicly. And here, um, in a few minutes at the end of our service, we're going to invite them up. They're going to sit on these stools, and uh, they're going to share with us some of what God has done and is doing in their lives. And then, uh, when our time here is done, we're going to head outside. And God has given us, I think relatively, for 2022, a nice day, hasn't He? And we prayed, God, it can rain Saturday, you know, for the wedding, it can rain Monday, but give us sun and dry weather on Sunday, and it looks pretty decent out there. So I hope that you've come prepared to uh, after our service, to witness those baptisms out on the church lawn, and then to stay for some fellowship, some great food. Uh, Bethel Reza Hope ministry is providing uh, a burrito bar. I love burritos, Uh, I know many of you do, and if that's not really your thing, there's also hot dogs and some other food. There's something there for everybody, so I just hope that you're ready to stay after the service for some great food together, whether that's eating inside or outside. Well, there'll be picnic tables out there as well, and uh, Angela, our kids' ministry director, has organized some kids' games, uh, some lawn games outside, so we're just going to have a great time picnicking together and celebrating all these things after our time in here, uh, but before we move on, one more thing I just want to acknowledge, and I think is worthy of, of celebration, is, um, and maybe you read this in the uh, weekly email update sent out on Wednesday, we have finally hired uh, an office administrator, the newest member of our staff ministry team. And, and if you've been around a while, you know that it's been a journey and COVID's been a hard time to fill positions uh, and to do ministry. But we are just really excited to, uh, to share that Jana Trites um, has been offered and accepted the position of office administrator, and I want to bring her up because she is new to our church. Some of you will know her, but many of you won't because uh, her and her girls moved to Stonewall in the fall and joined this church and have really just jumped in with both feet, and, uh, and she just really desires to serve God in this way, and so we're excited to bring Jana onto our team beginning Tuesday. <clears throat> So, Tuesday morning, you're going to see her at the front desk there, and uh, she, uh, you know, come congratulate her when you see her, introduce yourself to her, and I'm just excited to have her on the team, and I think she has a lot to offer uh, us as a staff and us, us as a church, um, and we hope you enjoy it a little bit, too. I think you will. I think you will. Um, can I just pray over you? And if you just want to join me, I think it's just a good opportunity to, to commit this relationship um, and to her in this new role. Um, to God, for His purposes. God, we just thank You for how You are at work. You are always at work, Lord, in ways that we see and often in ways that we don't see, God, and even in, even in difficulties where we're anxious and we're impatient and we want things to move faster, Lord. You are at work, behind the scenes, bringing about Your good purpose, and Lord, it's been a long time, uh, uh, over a year now, that we've been searching for this next office administrator, Lord, and I, I believe that uh, you have shown us what your will is, and that your will is that Jana comes into that role. So I thank you, God, that um, you've laid that desire on her heart, and uh, you've moved her into this, and I just commit her to you, Lord, as she begins this position. Um, it's really important. Uh, she was going to be involved in all sorts of really important things, supporting ministry that we pray and trust will have an eternal impact in the lives of many, many people for years to come. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would empower her with um, everything she needs, a body, mind, and spirit to be able to step in and to learn and to grow in that, Lord, and that in all things she would know that ultimately she is serving you each and every day in doing this. And I just pray that she finds great delight in that. And so we just commit her and, and this kind of this new relationship to you. God, may your blessing rest on it, on her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Before uh, those being baptized come up to share their testimonies, I do want to just introduce you a little bit to what we're doing this summer uh, here with our messages. We're, we're uh, beginning a new uh, message series. We're going to be looking at names throughout the summer. Now, I think you have a name. Everybody in here has a name. You probably have a few names, right? You probably have a first name. You probably have a middle name. Maybe even more than one if you're really special. And you have a last name. And you all have names, You were given names, right? Why do you have the name that you have? Every name, your name has a reason, right? There's a purpose for your name. Uh, Maybe you have the name you have because mom and dad thought it sounded nice. Like Garth. Any Garths in a room? Oh, not beautiful name. if if, if there's a Garth here beautiful name. We named our oldest daughter Annika because we just liked the sound of Annika. Thought it was pretty. So maybe you've got the name you have just because someone thought it sounded nice. Or 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 maybe they thought it, it didn't sound nice. I uh, as a teenager, I went to Mongolia to visit for about a month and I visited some of my family that were that were living in Mongolia. And um I found out when I was there that in, in that culture, actually, it, it's very common that they give their children names that sound ugly to them because in their worldview, and their religious system, they believe, you know, in evil spirits that are always interacting and trying to harm them, and and so they've come, uh, I, I guess their practice is if they give their children an ugly name, maybe the evil spirits will leave them alone. So this is a common thing there. I, I, I met a little boy, his, his name was... Basin Tolgoy, which literally translated means poop head. I thought Rusty was bad. Can, can, can you imagine going to school? What's your name? Basin Tolgoy? Wow. There's another boy, his name was Enbish, which literally translated means not here. Right? To try to fool the spirits. Not here. Another, another boy, his name was Nergui. Which literally means no name. Yeah, and he was all dressed in yellow. And had, blue. no, that's. <laughs> <laughs> and so, So I, I guess not everyone picks a name because it sound, sounds nice. But maybe you've got the name because you have because it sounded nice. Maybe you have the name you have because it's to honor a family member. Our, our youngest daughter, Philippa. She's named after her grandpa Philip. So we're honoring grandpa by naming her Philippa. And maybe you got a name like that. My my middle name is Arthur, named after my dad, who is Arthur. Maybe your name comes from some sort of um, interest you have, some sort of value that you hold dear. So, like we, because Eric and I love filtered water, we named our middle daughter Britta. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Love filtered water. And some of you know me like, I know Rusty, that's not true, you don't drink water. Um, That's actually kind of why I got named Rusty, because my dad in 1981, he was a big fan of baseball, and so there was at the time, there was an all-star first baseman, Montreal Expos, his name was Rusty Staub, and my dad wanted a ball player, so he named me Rusty. And I actually have a little picture of it, it's it's not here, but uh, when I was... um, it, it just not even 24 hours old, he had a little baseball bat laid, this big, and he put it in my hands in my first day. And I have been a huge disappointment to my father. <laughs> just <laughs> uh, So so. anyway, if you don't know me, if you're here for the first time, my name is Rusty, okay? And and I haven't always liked my name, or maybe very often. You know, maybe you have one of those names, you go into one of those tourist shops, and uh, you can't find your name on anything, on any of those, like, Pocket knives or keychains or anything. You, you, do you know that feeling? You feel like an outsider. Except last summer, we were in Banff in a tour shop, and I finally found it. I finally found my name, and so uh, I took a took a, a picture up there of it. I <laughs> <laughs> like. I was so. I was so excited. Do you know the cross-eyed bear having a dog's name? Having a human name, do you not, if I had a dollar for every time someone excitedly came up to me and said, I had a dog named Rusty, like, I know you did. Everybody did. Shut up. (laughs) So actually, as a kid, to be honest, though, my name actually kind of bothered me because my siblings, I'm I'm the oldest of four, they all had what I thought were like special names. Um, So my brother Richard, right, that name means brave ruler. My sister Patera comes from Peter. That name means a solid rock. My my younger brother Caleb, that name literally means devoted to God, but Rusty means redheaded. <laughs> and a, I'm not redheaded, and be like, that's not a cool meaning. And so I, I, that actually bothered me enough when I was a young teenager. I shared that with my parents, and they actually we went through a little renaming ceremony. Like I kept the name Rusty, but they actually gave a new meaning to my name. I won't tell you what it is. Maybe maybe later on in the summer I'll kind of tell you all about that. Um, so we all have names. Those names mean something. Did you know that God, too, has a name? That God, we find in the Scripture, God has names, a bunch of names. And so what we're doing in the summer series is over these 11 weeks, beginning this morning, we're looking at the names of God. And there's a bunch of them. I don't know exactly how many. Uh, many of them are more like Titles. Uh, But we're going to take a look at 11 of those names through the summer, one each Sunday. And as we do that, each name is going to give us a greater insight into who God is. You know, Jesus uh, prayed before He went to the cross in John chapter 17, uh, verse 6. He prayed this uh, in, in speaking to His Father. He says, "'I have revealed you to those you gave Me out of the world.'" They were yours, you gave them to to, to me, and they have obeyed your word. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me. Now, in my Bible, there's a little footnote that says, You, when Jesus says, I've revealed you, actually, literally is, I have revealed your name to those you have given me. I have revealed your name, because in biblical times, even more so than in, in present times, a name was really important. A name was more than just something that sounded nice. It represented who that person was. It told you something about the nature, the character, the personality of the person who had that name. It told you who they were. So when Jesus says, I have given them your name, Jesus is saying, I have revealed who you are, God, to the world. And you know, the large majority of people today, they still believe in God if you survey people. And I don't know about you, but if you've had a conversation with someone about God, maybe you've come to that realization that, oh, we're actually talking about two different gods here. We have two very different understandings about who God is. And maybe you'll hear a statement like, well, my God doesn't, blah, blah, blah or my God does, blah, blah, blah. And so even in an organization, which I think is great, Alcoholics Anonymous, right, they have this prayer, you have to acknowledge a higher power, and a part of kind of surrendering to that power is is you have to pray to what they call a higher power of your own understanding. And so a lot of people believe even today in a higher power, some form of God, but that has a variety of understandings. And you've probably discovered that in conversation with other people. And there was really no, no different in biblical times. I mean, when people use the word God, they often meant something very different from someone else who used that same title, God. And so we, we, we first hear the word God, and in the first words of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that word God, translated in in our English Bibles that way, translates the Hebrew word, and you can throw that up there, El, or Elohim. Okay, so back in biblical times, that word El, that that was not a very specific word that was specific to the Jewish people or their faith. It it was a very general word that that all the nations and the other religious systems of the people around them, they all shared this same word. It was just a universal title for the higher power of your own understanding, L. It was, it was a universal word that could mean many different things to many different people. But the, the question then remains, who is God? And, and I would suggest to you that that's the most fundamental question in all the world. And if you're a kid here with your little book and you get got some pencil crayons, I think that would be a great picture to draw. Like, what do you think God looks like? When you close your eyes and you picture God, who do you see? What do you see? But I think that's the most important question, most fundamental question in all the world. There's no question that has greater ramifications on your experience of life than who you believe God to be. And so the Bible will answer that question, who is God, in part by giving us names. Who is El? what type of God is El? And so the Bible, as you go through it, more and more gives names to show us the nature and character and personality of the one true God. So these names give us insight into who God is and who God isn't because that's what a name does, right? When I'm rusty, that means I'm not Randy and I'm not John and I'm not Sarah. A name distinguishes you from someone else or something else. It draws boundaries. It defines you. That's what a name does to a person or to a thing. And so even in creation, in Genesis chapter 1, when God makes, however He did, did that, and it's represented in these days, it always says He named what He made, right? He, he, he said, let there be light. And He called the darkness night. And He called the day, or He called the light day. And then He made, the, he, he gathered the waters to make the sea and the sky and the land, and He called the waters the sea, and He called the land the, the, the dry ground land. And so God is naming, and it's a way of distinguishing something from something that it is not. And so these names of God, they, they, they function that way. They distinguish God from who He is not and show us who He is. And so over the summer, as, as we go through these names, my hope is that We are going to get to know God better for the God that He actually is. And so even in biblical times, they wondered, who is this El, this God who created the world? That was actually Moses' question in Exodus chapter 3. Maybe you know some of the backstory, right? The people of Israel were now in exile in Egypt. They were slaves. They'd been that way for 400 years. You know, their understanding of their forefathers' faith had kind of diminished And then God raised up this man Moses to deliver God's people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And at this point, Moses is just a simple shepherd out in the wilderness. But God comes to Moses and gives him this um, this call to go back to Egypt to deliver God's people to freedom. So in verse 10, Exodus 3, God says to him, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses says to God, Well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I'm just a normal guy. God said, I will be with you, and and this will be the sign to you that it is I who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this very mountain. But Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and suppose they ask me, God, what is his name? In other words, which El? Which God? Who is God? Then what shall I tell them? Moses said, or God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said, to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. What is that name that God gives himself, that he says, you will call me this? Uh, well, if you go back into first 15, it's the Lord, which seems a little, like maybe like a bit of a letdown. The Lord. Isn't that kind of common? Isn't that more of a title? Is that really a name? But, but if you look in your footnote, and there ho- there's a whole history as to why our Bible say the Lord, it's actually not a title here. This is a personal name. That word Lord in your Bible translates the word Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is, is related in the way it sounds to the verse that comes before when God says I say to them, I am, has sent me to you. And so this word Yahweh kind of sounds like and is related to that that statement, I am. But it's not a title. It's actually a personal name. Yahweh. A personal name like John or Peter or Rusty. God says, you are to call me Yahweh. Yahweh. That's the most common name we have for God. In the Bible, over 6,800 times, we're given the name Yahweh. God's name is Yahweh. I don't know if you think about God having a name, like the way you have a name. John, Peter, Edna, Yahweh. There's three things I want you to see this morning. As we think of that, I think what that tells us, first of all, is God wants to be known. God wants to be known. You know, some people, they conceive of God as aloof, as distant, and, you know, there's a lot of agnostics out there. Yeah, I believe in the higher power, but I don't think that we can really say anything about who that higher power is, what He's like. All we're left is like something, a shadow through a frosted glass. How can we really say anything about Creator God? But God wants to be known by giving himself a personal name. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I am a personal God. I'm a personal God. You know, sometimes people come to me and if they find out I'm a pastor, they might go, well, what do you want me to call you? Do you want me to call you pastor? Do you want me to call you reverend? Do you want me to call you his holiness? And I say, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, I like the, the, I like the sound of that one. And then I normally say, you can call me Rusty. And, and, and when you introduce yourself with your own personal name, it's a way, it's a way of saying, I want to share myself with you. To share your name is to share yourself. And I love this about God. God gives himself a name. He's not just creator. He's not just God. He's not just Lord. He's like, I want you to know me as Yahweh. Yahweh. I am a personal God who desires relationship with you, intimacy with you. I am the God, he goes on to say, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's talking about relationship. God wants to be known. That's the first thing I want you to know in understanding that God has given himself a personal name. Yahweh. God, Yahweh, he's not just a a concept to believe in, not just a master to serve, but God is a person to know and to enjoy. He made you to know Him. God wants to be known. And so, in your Bible, every time you, in the Old Testament, every time you see the word Lord in capital letters, capital L O R T, I want you to know that that actually translates Yahweh. It's not a title, it's His name. And Pastor Daniel, he loves different Bible translations, and he was pretty excited because there was a new one coming out that actually was going to put Yahweh instead of Lord. And, and he thought, that's, that's actually more accurate, because I know when we say Lord, it feels distant. It feels like there's separation, and obviously God is higher than us. But God has given Himself a name. When, when we pray, we, we should just say, we should understand when we say, Lord... We, we are using the name of God, and, and maybe that would be a helpful exercise when we pray Yahweh. But whenever you read the Bible and you see that word Lord, just know that that's actually the name of God. He's inviting you into relationship. He wants to be known. That's the first thing we need to understand when we think of the names of God, and particularly that He has given Himself a personal name. The second thing that I think that tells us is that God must reveal Himself in order to be known, right? Like, he did, we didn't give God a name. We didn't figure it out. God revealed it. God gave it to us. God says, this is who I am. God must reveal Himself in order to really, truly be known. And so you have this prayer that Paul prays. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, for the church. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So he's praying to God. He's like, I want to tell you what I'm praying for you. I'm, when I, like in my own private time, I pray for you. And this is what I pray. I pray, God, would you show yourself to them so that they may know you better? May you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you that they may know you better, God must reveal Himself in order to be known. And the primary way that God reveals Himself is through His Word, which He has given to us, which, which shows us the type of God that He is. So each of these names, as we go through them over the summer, it's going to help us to get to know God better. Who is God? Because like I said, I don't think there's any more fundamental question that will, that will impact your experience of life than the answer to that question, who is God? So that's my goal for this summer, that as we look at these names that God has given, we will get a clearer picture of who He is. And you know, I think sometimes we tend to think of those Old Testament characters as if, they, man, if we lived in biblical times... We, like, it would be easier to know God and to follow God because like, they, they really experience God. Right? You read these stories, might have been nice to be them. That's not the case. I mean, Abraham, he was a pagan. They, they, they made idols. They did the best they could out of clay and they worshipped these idols. They didn't know who God was. And then God came and he started to speak. He started to reveal himself slowly to Abraham. And through the scriptures, there's this progressive revelation where God little by little reveals more about who he is and so actually, I mean, we're living at a great place in time and in history because we have the fullness of God's revelation of who He is. And Jesus would speak to this in Luke chapter 10. He'll say, Luke chapter 10 verse 22 Jesus says in speaking to his disciples, he says, all things have been committed to me by my father. No one knows who the son is except the father and no one knows who the father is except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then he turned to his disciples and he said to them privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings and you know, people of the past, they wanted to see what you see, but they did not see it. And they wanted to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. How blessed you are. You know God. You can know God in a way that that people in the past would have dreamed of knowing who God is. God has revealed Himself more fully in His Word with these names. And ultimately, He has revealed Himself most fully in Jesus Christ. And that's the third thing that I want us to see this morning as we think of these names, that God has revealed Himself most fully through Jesus Christ. So John begins his gospel in John 1, verse 1. He says, "...in the beginning was the word... That's a title, a reference to Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, the Word, Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. What that's all saying is that in Jesus, we actually see the face of God. In the person of Jesus, we actually see the will of God for us. You know, so when Jesus says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Sometimes we hear that and we go, ooh, That sounds very exclusive. That sounds really restrictive. Jesus, you're saying, you're like this human prophet guy who's saying, oh, to get to God, you gotta come through me. Seems kind of arrogant, a little pretentious, doesn't it? Until we really understand who Jesus is. Jesus is God's revelation of himself. He is God with a face. And so when we see that, we shouldn't say, oh man, that's restrictive. There's only one way to God. We should see God has made a way to himself by coming into the world in the person of Jesus to make a way to know him. That would be like if you you, you, you had a relationship with someone and you wrote letters, you're at a distance and you were building this relationship. You kind of got to know someone as much as you could through letters or through a phone call and then you actually met that person. You actually met that person in the flesh and had interaction with them. And then you said, yeah, no, I don't really, I don't really like you. I, I like the other person. I don't want you. I want the other person. But the reality is that Jesus is God made flesh. God revealing himself fully to us. And so the name Jesus is Yeshua, that's what He would have been called, Yah's Yahweh, Shua saves, the Lord who saves. Jesus is the Lord who saves. In Jesus, God shows us who He is. He shows us what His will is for us, and ultimately, He he shows us how we can and, and accomplishes our salvation, for that is why He came. Jesus came, the God-made flesh, to save us, to save us from our guilt, to save us from condemnation, for we're all sinners, we've all fallen short of what we ought to have been. Jesus came to save us from guilt and condemnation and death. He came to save us from eternal separation from Himself. He came to save us from fear. The fear of not knowing the future. The fear of all the forces around us that are bigger than us. He came to save us from a life of worthlessness. Because in Jesus, we see that God loves us. Did you know this? God loves you. God made you just the way you are, uniquely. For a purpose, to know Him. God loves you in him we find this incredible worth and value jesus comes to save us from worthlessness and he comes to save us from a meaningless life to give us new life a life that we receive by faith not by our own efforts this is the good news that we celebrate this morning in the act of baptism those that are going to be up here in a moment like, none of them are going to get up here that says, you know what? God gave me the words of what I should live, and I've done a good job. I've kept them all. So I'm up here to say that I'm following Jesus, and I'm doing the best that I can, and I think I'm doing a pretty good job. No? They're going to come up here, and they're going to say, man, I'm a sinner. I'm a broken person, but God, in the person of Jesus, came, and He died on the cross for my sin to make a way for me to have new and eternal life, that through what Jesus has done, I can be restored to God, I can be made new, God is at work in my life, it's not, it's what He's done, it's not what I've done, so this is a life that we receive through faith in Jesus and not through our own efforts. Um, So in Jesus, God has made Himself known, and He's made His way known, and ultimately, He has made a way for us to be in relationship with Him and experience new life. That's what we're celebrating this morning, the new life that comes through Jesus, that comes into our lives through faith in Him.